Now this morning I want to introduce you to a man. Ce matin je vais vous introduire à un homme. Because um, I want that man to encourage you. Parce que je veux que cet homme vous encourage. I want that man to give you some of his own testimony. Je veux que cet homme vous donne un témoignage. It's not a man that any of us have seen before. C'est un homme que personne n'a jamais vu avant. You have heard about him. Nous avons entendu de lui. You have read about him. Nous avons lu de lui. You have tried to behave like him. Nous avons essayé de nous comporter comme lui. But today, by the special grace of God, mais aujourd'hui par la grâce spéciale de Dieu, we have invited a man to speak to us. Je vais inviter un homme de nous inviter. And that man is going to come and tell you a few things that will encourage your testimony. Cet homme va vous donner certaines choses qui vont encourager votre témoignage. Now, what is interesting about that man? Ce qui est intéressant cet homme, is that he told me the story. Ce qu'il m'a dit une histoire. And then he said that when I'm telling the story, I should tell the story as if he's the one telling the story. Et il dit que quand je parle de l'histoire, je vais parler de l'histoire comme si c'est moi qui raconte l'histoire. And just like my own master Jesus Christ, I've learned to be a great storyteller too. Comme mon maître Jésus-Christ, j'ai appris à être un bon raconteur d'histoire. And so here is a man. Voici l'homme. The first question you ask yourself is that who am I really? La première question c'est que qui suis-je? Je vais essayer d'introduire vous à l'homme. Et as you go along, if you know him, just keep it to yourself and let others also see if they can figure out who this man is. Si tu le connais, garde ça pour toi, mais permet aux autres de se réaliser qui est cet homme. And the reason is because your testimony must change. La raison c'est parce que votre témoignage doit changer. Because this is a man that his testimony is still told to today. C'est un homme dont le témoignage est parlé jusqu'aujourd'hui. The man that Jesus affiliated with. C'est un homme que Jésus s'est affilié avec. C'est un homme dont Dieu lui-même s'est affilié. C'est un homme qui a été le même dans l'Ancien et le Nouveau Testament. I will give you about six characteristics of this man, and then you begin to see if you can find out who he is. The first thing he wants to tell you is that he's from the tribe of Judah. He is the great grandson of Boaz and Ruth. In case you don't know, he was born in Bethlehem. I know most of you are thinking about the wrong person. Because the minute I mention Bethlehem, everybody thinks only one person was ever born in Bethlehem. The next statement tells you that it is not who you are thinking. Because this gentleman is the last born in his family. Before him, there were seven sons. He happens to be number eight. Some of you are getting what I'm talking about now. Oh, when there was nobody else to take on a particular dirty job, he had to take on the job of a shepherd. Everybody wanted to be a warrior. Everybody wanted to do everything else that was noble, but to be a shepherd. All those are part of the good part of my life as a man. There are two parts of the life that we will talk about. The first is the way the Bible introduces this man in Scripture. The Bible says in First Samuel, He said, "I have found myself a man 
after my own heart. That was the introduction to his life. That was the introduction to his story. Unfortunately, the same man that was the man after God's heart, and at the last count, they had eight wives. That part of the testimony we will leave out. Because my testimony is not for you to go and marry eight wives. The Bible says in the book of Corinthians that these things happen to the men of old and they serve as an example for you. When it comes to titles, with all due humility, I don't think anybody has beaten this man in Scripture. I will give you 12 of his titles that I know. The Bible calls him a musician. He is a man that was killed in music. He had this very unusual combination of traits. He could play music to make people feel well. And yet he could go to war and kill people there. Oh, he was a shepherd, like I told you. <laughs> he built an empire. This was his faithful friend. It's a friend that will never forget his friend. This was a man that when he came to the family, he was a failed father. We will not talk about that side today. Because there are parts of the man's testimony that the man will rather forget. So when he came to the family, this man was a failure. Those of you that know his story, you remember. One of his sons raped his own sister. And then as a father, he refused to talk to the son about it. And for two years, his son plotted how he was going to revenge against his sister. This was a man that even his son contested the throne with him. What else should I tell you? I've told you how many of the titles now. When it comes to being a king, he was the ideal king. When it comes to, be, to running from the law, he was an outlaw. In fact, there is a cave now that the only time that cave was mentioned was because this man ran to the cave. Most of you have heard about the cave out of Adulam. When it comes to praising God, it was the same. I personally have never seen anybody that has that kind of CV. If I was difficult for me to invite him to come and talk to you, because I wasn't sure what part he was going to talk to you, so I had to direct him. Because when we were we we talking, he said, Pastor, what do you want your people to know? Uh, I said, well, I know your story is very long. You could take the whole year. I said, but what, I said, but what I'm teaching my people by the grace of God this year, 
is how you make sure that your testimony does not become the source of your shame. Uh, he said, I can talk to them about that too. I said, don't talk to them more than that. When it came to women, yeah, he was an adulterer. Not a single one, but a serial one. He was so, <laughs> we are talking about that this morning now, he was so addicted to adultery. That when a man wanted to stand in his ways, he planned and he killed the man. He was a man that didn't mind losing a soldier. Just to have his wife. But then I told you a lot of things about the guy called David. Now, David. If David was standing with us today, after looking back in his life, what would David say? What would David want you to know that you don't already know? I'll take my text from 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. I will quickly read uh, some passages and then I will go into the things that David wants to tell you. First Samuel chapter 16. I will start from verse 4. And Samuel did that with the Lord and spoken and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peacefully? And he said unto them, Peacefully I have come, and I have come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sacrifice yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sacrificed Jesse and his sons, and he called them in to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked up and he saw Eliab. And he said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. Verse 7. Let's read verse 7 together. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And so David is talking to us today very simply about what do you look like. David I want you to, to mark what I said. I didn't say who do you look like. I said what do you look like. Now if I say who do you look like, it means I'm comparing you to somebody else that already existed. But, but when I say, what do you look like? It means that what original thing is there that God has created that no man has ever seen, do you look like? When God, when God created each and every one of you, he created you to be an original. There is no other king like David. The Bible does not record any other shepherd apart from the Lord Jesus Christ like David. David was unique. And so David is here to ask you today, what do you look like? It's good to ask you the question in four different areas. 
Number one. Do you look like a king? When Samuel went to Bethlehem, Samuel was looking for a king. Because the Bible had told him, because God had told him, he says, I have found myself a king. But then if somebody were to walk into this church today, would they pick you out as the king? Do you have the characteristics of what it means to be a king? But thank God that your looks don't matter. Thank God that your looks do not matter. Thank God that your height do not matter. Thank God that where you are born does not matter. Thank God that where you grow up does not matter. Thank God that the way you speak, your accent, it doesn't matter. The Bible says that God does not see the way man sees. Man sees all those outward things. But God sees the inward part of the man. The Bible says that we have been made kings unto our God. But then when God sees you, he sees a king. It doesn't matter if you look like a king or not. It doesn't matter even if your own parents don't think that you are a king. Is it not interesting that when Samuel called Jesse, he said, the Lord has found a king in your house. Jesse called everybody that looked that could be a king. But Jesse did not call Joseph to the priest. But it doesn't matter if you are left out. The Lord will find you in the name of Jesus. The first thing that David wants to tell you today is that there is a place that you are destined for. Nothing can stop it. Because God already saw your heart and God prepared that place for you. Oh, he wants to also tell you that though your parents may not even think that you had the capacity, but God knows what he put inside you. And that thing that he put inside you will begin to speak. Oh, it is even worse. You know, you would think that a seer will see everything. Even Samuel could not see. Brother, let me give you a little bit of value about Samuel. Samuel stands in a class of his own. The Bible says that everything he said, he did not fall to the ground. And yet, Samuel could not see that the king is not here. It took God himself to correct the fear. But then I'm telling you, even if your pastor cannot see your greatness, God is seeing it. David is first of all asking you, are you seeing yourself as a king? When you see yourself as a king, the way you carry yourself is different. The way you speak is different. The way you relate to people is different. Brethren, begin to behave as a king because you are already a king. When they are noted, you know, occasionally I read that story, I laugh. One time I read the story, I said, it's not all the anointing that is good anointing. 
every time they anointed David, he got into more trouble. But that trouble had to save his life. The second question that David will ask you is this. Do you look like a soldier of Christ? Do, do you look like a soldier at all? I don't want to point to anybody. I don't want to look at anybody. Oh, in the physical soldier. <laughs> there are some of us that begin to run for bullets now. You can't run more than five meters. But in the spiritual realm, are you a soldier of Christ? When David appeared at the battlefront, the Bible says that his brothers looked at him. They say, we know there's foolishness in your heart. What are you looking for here? You know, it's not very common here. In those days where I come from, when, when you hear that there's pandemonium, you are attracted to go and watch. So David was looking for an excuse to go and watch. Finally, his father says, oh, we have something to take to your brothers. I, before the final finished it, he said I will take it. He wanted to go and watch. Unknown to him, the soldier in was beginning to speak up. That there is a battle to be won by you ahead of you. Brothers, I'm telling you today, by the special grace of God, the battle that ahead you shall win in the name of Jesus. Though men may not take you to be a soldier, God knows what He has put inside you. Number three. What else do you look like? There are soldiers and there are soldiers. There are soldiers that go to battle, but yet they never come back. But there are soldiers that we call champions. Is there any champion in the house? Let me shout, let me hear a big hallelujah. When David got to the battlefront, they introduced him to the king. And the king said, I know you want to be a hero. But uh, you are not able to go after this guy. In fact, I'm sure if you ask David, he will say he felt a holy annoyance within him. The king says, that, that soldier, he has been a soldier before you were born. He said, so why do you want to go after him? David said, don't worry. I have not told anybody this, but I will tell you. He said, one time, I was mending the sheep and the goats. From nowhere, a lion came out of the bush. How can a lion take a sheep that, God, that my father put in my care? He said, I went after it. Because I'm a champion. If I have fought against lions and I have won, it means I can win against this giant. Brethren, if you have won the battles of the past, you can win the battles that are ahead of you. 
God allowed you to win some battles to build your confidence. So David is telling you today that as I'm speak, as I was speaking to Saul, I was no longer seeing Saul. I was only seeing Goliath. He said, but to slow the matter down, Saul brought this armor. Saul forgot that he was six foot five inches. He forgot that he was 240 pounds. He had eaten a lot of meat. Me, I was just five feet six inches. I only weighed about 140 pounds. How was I going to wear this armor and go and fight? So I said no. The Lord has given me my own unique skills. Brethren, has God not given your own unique skills? Has God not given your own unique talents? So I will go with what I know. Because there is a champion in me. If there's a champion in the house, let me hear you shout hallelujah. So, David is asking you today, brethren, number one again. He said, do you see yourself as a king? He said, number two, do you see yourself as a soldier? He said, number three, do you see yourself as a champion? And then number four. He says, are you going to be scared when you are face to face at the battlefront? Let me say that again. Are you, are you going to be scared when you are face to face with the enemy at the battlefront? You know, David wants you to know that the war in those days is different from the war now. The war in those days was both spiritual and physical. But the war that we fight now has spiritual wars. Brethren, it is easy for you to say Satan, depart from me. The day Satan shows up in your room, if you are like me, but don't say this out loud. But if you are like me, you first of all run outside. And then when you get that strength, then you come back. Oh, don't worry, that happened to me before. I was sleeping in my house. It was a small house, a small boy's quarter. I had just come from church. We had finished binding and losing. And I had a test or exam the next day. So I decided to, I wasn't sure what to do. Maybe I should read or I should sleep. So I decided to lie down on my, you know when your mattress is on the floor? So as I lay down there, I was beginning to drift, to drift into sleep. When suddenly I heard something land on the, on the carpet. No, brethren, there is a reason for everything. The carpet I had then, they call it lilonium, is the kind of carpet that when something lands on it, it makes noise. So when the thing landed, I thought to myself, what could I be? So I decided to turn. And I looked. And I saw a snake. And he was just carrying his head like that. Oh, brother, I began to speak in tongues. But as I was speaking in tongues, I was not going towards the snake. I 
was speaking in tongues and looking for the door. When I was safely outside, now I began to plan the physical. That, uh, this speaking in tongues is not bringing this snake out. <laughs> so what am I trying to say? That I know what it is like when you finally in front of battle. When you are face to face with Goliath. But David is telling you today that that weapon of your warfare that is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That, that, that weapon that you have used yesterday. That weapon that you used last week. That that weapon will still work for you again. What is telling you is that whatever has been working for you, don't change it to what is working for somebody else. Now, David is going to give us two or three advices. Number one, the first advice is this. Know God for yourself. Stop talking about the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. Stop talking about the God of Esau or the God of whoever. Talk about the God of Bengadenuga, your own God. Mention your name and say the God of begin to know God for yourself. But then when you know God for yourself, it's different from when you know the God that somebody told you. Are we together? David did not go to war because of what Saul told him. David went to war because he knew his God. David est allé à la guerre parce qu'il connaissait son Dieu. Et il a dit, God that helped me to tear apart a lion and a bear. Le Dieu qui m'a permis de déchirer le lion et le bear. Il n'a pas dit le Dieu de Saül. He said that God will give me this Philistine. Il dit, c'est Dieu me donnera ce Brother, you know God for yourself. Tu connais Dieu pour toi-même. When you know God for yourself, there is nobody that can convince you otherwise. When you know God for yourself, then you'll be able to say that unto him that is able to do abundantly above all that I, Olubengadenuga, can ever ask or imagine. When you know God for yourself, you know what moves the hand of God. When you know God for yourself, you will know when to move and when to stay. When you know God for yourself, you will know the battles to avoid. When you know God for yourself, you will know when to first of all ask before you move. Brethren, when you know God for yourself, then you'll be able to say that the Lord is my shepherd. The first advice is know God for yourself. Number two, and this one, you are, this one we, I want you to take seriously. Look after whatever is your care. Après, I, will, I will explain that very well. Look after whatever is in your care. 
as a man, I have sat down and I have thought. Comme un homme, j'ai réalisé. Why did God choose David? Pourquoi Dieu a choisi David? Why did God decide that David was the king? Pourquoi Dieu a décidé que David était le roi? How many people do you ever see that we put their life on the on the line for somebody else's king? Combien de gens que tu as vu qui peuvent prendre leur vie et les mettre en jeu? Let me let me ask you the question. Je vais te poser une question. If I give you hundred sheep, si je te donne cent bêtes, cent brebis, and somebody runs after you and plucks one, et quelqu'un court après toi et en attrape un, and the person is macho. Et la personne est géant. Euh, Will you leave the night tonight and fight the macho? As-tu avant abandonner les non-nanos? Will you try everything within your power to get that one sheep back? Or will you say, Pastor, we don't notice? Or will you say, I will tell Pastor that you forgot? That it was 99, the counting was wrong. Brethren, even if the Pastor forgets, God does not forget. Anything that is in your care, you better look after it. Remember where we started. God does not look at the outward appearance. What does God look at? The heart. When God did it, they shepherd for his people. God said, you don't need to look very far. There are not many shepherds that will put their life on the line. Oh, I've said it many times. Do you think it was convenient for David to go and fight a lion? Oh, people tell me, oh, you know, Pastor, that thing that you called us to do, it wasn't convenient for me. Ah, God help us. When God is looking at your heart, can God say, I have found a man after my heart? So David is telling you today that there's nothing else that he did except that he made sure that everything put under his care can only improve. It can never get worse. Oh, let me look at one or two other things because my time is gone. I will tell you three reasons why you need to do that. Number one, he lays the foundation for your future blessing. There are many prayers, a lot of people are praying that is a wasted time. Because those prayers are dependent on what you have done. And when God is asking what have you done, and you have nothing to show, then there's nothing to give. I'll give you an example. There was one of the prayers in the book of Psalms. David said, remember now my offering. You remember that prayer? If you have not given offering, how will God remember that? If you have not sacrificed, how will God remember that? So that's number one. Number two reason. The more you do, the more confidence you have. Brethren, if you, if you are not faithful in little, more responsibility will not come. If you are not faithful in another man's thing, 
Nobody is going to give you even your own thing. Let me use the simplest example for you. When you are a tenant, you better look after the house. Because it is another man's thing. That man did not build it by, by stone. He built it by his sweat. So when you are a tenant, what do you do? Look after the house as if it is your house. Not that, oh, I don't care, it's not my house. How will God then give you your own house? And uh, the number three thing is that when you look after the things in your care, it earns you respect in heaven. I want to finish with this one. David looks at us and says, if there's one last thing I want you to go home and never forget, it is that your testimony will never be complete until the day that you die. And so the testimony you have now is a prerequisite for other testimonies that are coming. I told you that there are some few things that David will regret. David will not regret being the king. But David does not particularly write the way Samuel introduces the topic. Because Samuel said, he said in the year that kings go to war, kings, they go to war in that year. David sent his boys. His testimony was secured. That testimony led him to see what he should not see. That testimony led him to do what he should not do. That testimony led to agony of heart that he should not have. Brethren, in this month, I want you to pray that my testimony will not become a source of shame. For David, the more testimonies he had, the more problems developed until it was completely broken. You can avoid that because you have the example of David. Oh, David has, a, he has examples too that they can share. Oh, he says, don't you see Adam? When God gave Adam a blessing, that blessing ended up becoming a problem. When God gave Adam and Eve children, those children ended up causing them heartaches. David is telling you today, David it is never over until it is over. A lot of people may not remember the fact that David was a shepherd. They may not remember the fact that David was a warrior. They may not even remember that David was a musician. But many everybody remember that David was an adulterer. Brethren, stand on your feet. Let us pray for two or three minutes. Brethren, if I were you, I would cry to God. Lord, let my testimony not become a source of shame. Is there 
just a simple prayer. Just t- talk to God. That let my testimony not become a source of shame. Let my testimony not become a source of shame. Begin to talk to Him right now. God has given you testimony. Oh, God has given you a job. That your job will not become a source of shame. That God has given you a family. That your family will not become a source of shame. God has given you blessings in form of children. That your children will not become a source of shame. God has given you different blessings in different areas. Pray that none of those blessings will become a source of shame. Pray that God will keep you to the end. Pray that God will keep you to the end. Pray that God will keep you to the end. That no testimony that you are sharing today will become a source of, a source of shame. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray.